Welcome to the Theatre Club podcast. Welcome back to our loyal followers who listen each week to hear the latest reviews of London's best and sometimes worst shows. And a warm welcome to any newcomers we have here today. Yeah, this is a podcast where we basically just talk about shows we've seen and shows we're looking forward to that are coming up. And I usually make a signature cocktail creation inspired by one of our shows. So if you love theatre, if you love cocktails, this is the show for you. And if you don't like paying extortionate prices and want to know where to sit, where the offers are, that's also a good point about our podcast. Don't leave that ask. It's our USP, darling. In the episode this week, we are going to be reviewing The View Upstairs, which is a new musical at Soho Theatre. Oscar's been to see Southern Bells, which is a Tennessee Williams play at the Kingshead Theatre. I've been to see Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner at the Royal Court. And Trevenon's production of the musical Bridges of Madison County, which is at the Mernier Chocolate Factory. But first of all, top tip! This week, my top tip um, to be booking is the show Amelie. Amelie the Musical. Have you seen the film, Oscar? Yeah, I've seen the film by... Well, it is a loved five-time Oscar-nominated film and this is the musical version of it. It had a um, UK tour starting at the Watermill Theatre and now it's coming to the West End of London. I'm so happy when I heard that it's transferring. You've listened to the soundtrack as well, haven't you? I've listened to it a bit and then I've just been hearing things about, you know, different reviews on its tour and I was thinking oh do I try and go and see it it's going to go to Woking I thought I could get you know Woking's not far from London I thought should I try and see it on the tour no need Um, it's coming to the other palace it's a great theatre it's right by Buckingham Palace so it's near Victoria station Mm -hmm. easy to get to and it will be on there from the 29th of November this year until the 1st of February next year so that's a really long run that's a good long run yeah oh and I've heard it's very good I've think it what didn't do massively well on Broadway but this sounds like they've scaled the production right down if you've seen the watermill it's tiny so it seems like they can scale this production down and it's kind of it looks a bit kind of boutique boho which is kind of closer to what the film was I think I've never and seen the film Osk have you never seen the film the film's really good as well oh, can we watch maybe it watch later? the film first yeah okay so we've booked tickets haven't we so um we have booked tickets and um the headline basically of this uh, top tip is that you want to book for the front row because they are selling tickets at £25, which is very, very reasonable. Yes, and we should mention that the front row of the other palace is um, it's ground level. It's not the stage isn't raised, so your your feet basically are on the stage, if you know what I mean. So you're not looking up. It's not one of those kind of front rows. I know some people don't like being near the front, so if you don't, back row is also 25 And it's not a huge theatre, so you and it's got a really steep rake. So I would say go front or back if you want those cheap tickets. Both offer great views, but I would rather be up close, especially for a small boutique production like this. I think it's um, that's usually my preferred seats. And then the ones in the middle are kind of 39 40 They get a bit more expensive, so we never do that. We always go front row or back row. There's a trailer on the um, Other Palace website as well, which might be worth looking at. So you can see kind of what the music sounds like and what the stage show is going to look like. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So that's that. Let's get on with the review. Yes, this is an exciting one that we've been talking about for quite a while. It was obviously a top tip. Um, it is The Bridges of Madison County, which is also based on a film. Another musical based on a film was also not very successful on Broadway. 
Um, Darling, based on a film, based on a book. Based on a film, based on a book. Okay. It's a very, it was a very popular book, wasn't it? Quite romantic, and it's quite a Marmite book. I've heard people be like, ugh, because it's it's romantic. It's Oprah a Winfrey loved it. Oprah loved it. Not everyone did. Then they made a film with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford, and then they made a musical. And the story of the musical is um, a woman called Francesca who met her husband. He was an American GI. She met him in her hometown of Napoli um, during the Second World War. And then she left her hometown to go and live with him um, in Iowa, where he is a farmer. And so she's left her sort of whole family behind and raised a family, you know, out in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. At the start of the, the story, the start of the musical, the family, her son and daughter are going off to a sort of state country fair with Mm -hmm. the father because they've raised this prize sow and she's going to stay behind and have some just time to herself at the farmhouse and then in breezes a kind of dashing national geographics photographer who drives down her drive and has basically he's looking for directions isn't he he's photographing all the covered bridges in the county they're famous for these kind of covered bridges and he asks her for directions and she says i'll just jump in the car and show you and so they kind of strike up a, a friendship to begin with. She's quite intrigued by him. And then she says, why don't I cook you dinner tonight? There's nowhere going to be open this late for you now if you're planning on staying. Then they have dinner and they just... She's she's sort of excited by him, isn't she? And she looks at his photographs and... Yes, because he's been to Napoli recently. So yeah. she's kind of sees in him all the sort of things that she's longing for, I guess. And He kind of awakens something. She's kind of a bored housewife, yes. isn't she? And then she then starts remembering her family and her sister. And Yeah. So this production is directed by Trevor Nunn. And obviously the reason we're most excited about it is because it stars Jenna Russell, who, if you've ever listened to this podcast before, <laughs> you'll know we love her. She's a brilliant yeah. actress. She's been in so many musicals. Olivier Award winner for Sunday in the Park with George, which was another production that started at the Menia. So we should start, let's just start with her performance, because that's kind of what we're most excited about. And She did not disappoint. It's the kind of, it's oh. the linchpin of the whole show. She. She's sort of not holding it together, but she is. She's the reason to see this show. We'll say that right up at the top. Your she's... heart is with that character of Francesca, mm-hmm. so you have to like her, love her, see the world through her eyes. And because Jenna Russell is such an amazing actress, mm-hmm. you when when her eyes start glistening over because she's getting upset, I had a lump in my throat. Yeah. You're there with her at every moment. Just the way she chooses to deliver lines within a song, I'm just fascinated by watching how she does it and how one line goes from the other. And she's just really... I just like... Do you know, Oscar, I like looking at her sitting at a kitchen table, crossing her feet over her ankles in a way that I've never seen her... her Feet over her ankles, you know what I mean. Just crossing crossing her legs in a way that I've never seen Jenna cross her legs before and sitting back. She just looked totally different. Yeah. She looked like that wife. Yeah, because the last show we saw her in was Fun Home. Where she also played a housewife, but totally different. Totally different mannerisms, totally different way of holding herself. She's just fascinating. I most mostly watched her face, although there's a romantic relationship and Edward uh, Baker Dully, um, he plays Kincaid, who she falls in love with. I thought he was really good. I, I did. thought he, again, he was very believable. I kind of could see that he was, he had the, the perfect look and I could kind of see him being, an, you know, National Geographic photographer flying around the world. He had enough kind of swagger and and I thought there was good chemistry between them. There's a kind of sexy scene, isn't there? Yeah, but I was mostly watching her reacting to him. Oh, always. yeah, so you I always just want to watch her, her face. Yeah. Because she's just 
always acting. Like she, and not in a way that it's forced. She's not always acting. She's always the character. That's what it is. Mm. And the way she sings, oh, I just loved it. Yeah, let's talk about the way she sings because it's a soprano voice. These songs are written in, aren't they? Yeah, and higher. she has, as like we've been to see talks with her, and she talks about how her voice has changed as she's got older. Is she fifty-one mm-hmm. now? I can't remember how old she is. I think she's in her fifties, yeah. and it is a soprano song. So at the beginning, I was wondering when I, that in the first song it's quite high, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not sure if this is. I wasn't sure in the first song, and I still yeah. don't. I don't love the first song. Yeah, you didn't like that one, did you? No, the opening. No, I mind it so but much. the rest of it, I really, I really enjoyed listening to her sing. She just knows what to, how to use her voice, doesn't she? Yeah, she knows when to switch up and when to switch down, mm-hmm. and when it's gone too far, she'll always know how to change it into a gear that she can work in. Yeah. Um, speaking of voices, let's jump to so they they are the main central couple, and that's the main thrust of this story. It's a romantic story about these two, and obviously we have the husband and kids, but they're sort of off the whole time. They're sort of in the back of her mind. There's just a scene that's a kind of standalone song where he talks about his ex-wife and Kincaid does. And we get a sort of standalone song of his ex-wife and it's a... Country jo- song, isn't it? Kind no, of country ballad. Um, no. Joni, no, it's very much Joni Mitchell inspired, which I, oh, I know yeah. she's con- she's folk inflected more than country. Yeah, you're right. It's a very Joni Mitchell song. And um, so that actress is Sinead Holmes and her voice was so... Butter. It was buttery, wasn't it? It was so... It's a really relaxed, laid-back, Joni Mitchell-y kind of song. And she she sang it so laid-back that you almost wanted to lean in. I was hypnotised. It was like like having, like, a Mm. lark kind of... Yeah, it was hypnotising. Wasn't it? I want a recording of the cast recording just so, A, I can listen to Jen, obviously, but just for that song, I could listen to that. Um, The whole ensemble was really good. But the other person I would like to mention is Gillian Kirkpatrick, who played the neighbour. So while this affair is unfolding between Francesca and Kincaid, she is kind of the nosy neighbour. We get a song at the beginning about how the town, they're all in each other's pockets and they're all there for each other and it's a community. And she sort of starts, you know, there's a sort of comedy scene of her with her binoculars, isn't it? Looking, being like, oh, you know, that photographer's truck still in Francesca's drive and the husband's you know like mind your own business and she's like I'm gonna go over there and see what it's all about and she's she's kind of you're not sure if you actually really like her because she's kind of meddling and you definitely feel like that story is leading towards the kind of typical I was sort of worried the whole time she's gonna catch and she's gonna expose this affair yes and the way that story goes, maybe we won't say because it's kind of, it's nice to have, but it doesn't go the way you think it's going to. No. And the way it does go is really, really interesting. And there's a moment with her and Jenna um, yeah, and, that was acted beautifully. Yeah, really well acted and great direction. I thought, thought that they've played that relationship out between those two women. Um, and we we both left saying how we really enjoyed the, their relationship between yeah. the, that the friendship and how they looked after each other and yeah. just how you got to see um, two women, two housewives. Yeah, I thought that was really, really well done. Um, speaking about, like, I thought the directing was was good. I think, let's just talk about the set. So, set and costume was by uh, John Bowser. So, it's very... Um, it's all timber. Yes, like wooden barn sort of side, barn side yeah, onto they... which they do projections. The projections were separate. That's uh, Tal Rosner did the projections. And I thought they were great. They gave you the sense of the expanse of the landscape. I thought the video projections worked yes, really well against right. those. But then when they weren't doing sort of video projections, those sort of barn doors, I guess, 
would slide back and forward and there were two revolves on the stage and from those revolves the set would come in for like a kitchen or a chair and a porch yeah they were clunky i mean we were looking at each other thinking gosh they're making so much noise the noise of these in that tiny space of the many air chocolate factory and then bits of it were getting stuck at but, one point yes because it's quite complex to have one bit slide as the other bit rotates and comes through the gap and they were getting stuck and it was like really loud and kind of distracting from the show because a scene would begin and they'd still be revolving or the doors would be ricketing back and forth or at one stage jenna has to walk off and like her, her kitchen was sort of or something was disappearing into the background oh, yes, and it just froze the so then she was having to just freeze until they'd sort of fit and it just felt like although you couldn't see the stagehands you could hear them frantically moving stuff yeah. and pulling stuff and i just so i thought let's just see them if if you get to that point and your set does not work, that set doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. They don't have the technology, they don't have the space, they don't have the sound design to cover it. It doesn't work. Get your stagehands dressed as Iowa farmers mm-hmm. and just have them pulling those slides open and shut. Yeah. The revolves can stay, I guess, but if you're going to hear the noise, we need to see the noise. Yes. And I would rather see them coming on in a way that you would in... Otherwise, it takes you out for the moment you've just had of the song yes. or the piece. So I'd rather they exposed that And it makes it more. feel a bit amateur, amateur dramatics, in yeah. a way. So would we recommend this production? Because obviously I 100% would, because Jenna Russell is so incredible in it. The thing I will say, I guess, is it is a romantic story. and it, It's not so, edgy. Yeah, I don't... I actually really liked it. But I just don't... I think some people will find this soppy and sentimental perhaps. For me, because I thought the characters were so believable, well not the characters were believable, the acting was so good. I was Mm. totally with Jenna and I was totally involved in it and so it didn't seem overly sentimental or false to me because I kind of totally believed everything that was happening. Um, And I quite liked that. The music was really nice. Jason Robert Brown's music was quite lazy, kind of these lovely sort of sorrowful cello there was a cello motif that kind of came in and out that was nice. Tonally, I felt that the music was memorable. Do you know what else I really um, enjoyed seeing was a female character, love interest at the heart of this, who is a wo- they've cast a woman in her 50s. Hmm. That's very unusual yeah. if you think about it. Usually that would be going to a younger actress, a ZZ Stralen. Yeah, these are usually the love stories we see on stage. This yeah, is a kind of... but I kind of commend the Mernier for casting Jenna, and I commend her for taking the part that probably she might have felt that she's not used to doing that. She kind of doesn't play those roles. She's usually a best friend, a mother, like the quirky kind of character roles, don't you think? She's not usually the sexy... You know, she was playing a sexy wife, housewife she's a beautiful long head wearing a nightdress yeah yeah totally and I just thought that was really refreshing and good to see and actually if it had been somebody younger I don't think there would have been as much pathos behind a a heart into it and like a life lived and experience and Mm. I actually think that it was perfect yeah I really 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 loved it and the bridges of Madison County runs until the 14th of September so it's a good long run it is on at the Many a Chocolate Factory, which is near London Bridge. And tickets are... So standard tickets are £47.50 and the premium are £49.50. Those are your kind of... It's a small studio theatre seating on two sides. Those are your sort of standard seats. We we got the £47 ones. And I know that is quite expensive. You know, usually we try and see shows for sort of £25. You know, we try and get the deals. There are some £25 seats, which are... 
the ends of the rows, the outside ends basically of each of the two sides are restricted because you are looking at an angle at the stage. But I still think you'd get a pretty good view. But my recommendation would be if you look on the seating plan, go for the high end numbers of the row. So obviously you've got your seats one, two and three, which are restricted. If you go right to the other side of the auditorium, you have like seats 47, 48. Go for that end. I feel like that's the end we walked in. I feel like they've got a slightly better angle. So, Osk, my top tip of Bridges of Madison County was a success. Would you agree? 100%. My last top tip from previous episode was the view upstairs, which you've been to see at the Soho Theatre. Yep, it's just opened. Success? Another success for me? Well, let me tell you. It is a show about a gay bar in New Orleans. And um, it's a true, well, it's based on a true story of this this actual bar that did exist and um, suffered an arson attack, a, you know, a hate crime, homophobic arson attack in which I think 60 people died. Um, and so this musical is basically about a kind of a millennial guy. He's a gay guy in his sort of, you know, 20s. And, you know, he's got all these Instagram followers. He's trying to launch a new clothing line and he buys this space that used to be a bar. So it opens in 2019. He's going to buy this space, used to be a bar, turn it into his new flagship store or whatever. And then he basically gets sort of transported back in time to 1972 to the bar and all the people that are in the bar. And so he's basically sort of time travelled back in time, doesn't it? He thinks he's basically like tripping on drugs. That's cool. So Tyron Huntley stars as the kind of the guy that's going to buy this this space and the one who travels back in time and obviously that was part of the reason why you had it as your top tip because yeah because i'd seen tyrone huntley and leave to remain and, and i his... was just obsessed like yeah. thought he was great was like this guy is a great actor great singer everything so when i saw that he was going to do this i was excited yeah, yeah. and he doesn't disappoint his when he first started singing because i haven't heard him sing before he was really good really strong voice and so much charisma and charisma kind of yeah he does a great performer and he sort of his first sort of opening number takes him back in time and then suddenly they all sort of interrupt at the end all these characters in this bar and um let's talk about the music first which is by max vernon and um, so he's done book music and lyrics the music at the beginning i was like okay it's quite you know it had kind of a bit rock and rolly kind of of the time, once we go back to the 70s, obviously, kind of had an Elton John feel to it, some of the stuff in piano. Good, fun kind of music, but perhaps a tad forgettable. Like, mm-hmm. when the song was happening, I was kind of into it. Kind of, it was quite, um, you know, turned up to 11, quite raucous, kind of big, loud rock music. And I was actually really enjoying it. But then when each song finished, I kind of, I didn't, it kind of instantly went out of my head. I think what worked about it is is the performances. So obviously I've mentioned Tyrone was brilliant. And then all the characters within the bar, great singers, great actors, kind of really lively. So those the performances were really good. And I think the choreography was kind of really fun. It's quite a small space at the Soho Theatre. Um, it's in the upstairs space at the Soho Theatre, which is their larger space. Um, it had a really great set actually kind of the bar the way they'd recreated the bar and because it was a hot night as well you did kind of feel like you were in New Orleans in a kind of you know hot sweaty gay bar from Mm. the 70s um, and the lighting really helped with all of that but ultimately I think the book a lot of it's a bit on the nose so the kind of thrust of the show is that you know so he's gone back in time Tyron Huntley's character and he's sort of some guy kind of wants to hit on him and he's like oh like I couldn't sleep with you without having seen you naked first on Grinder, <laughs> you know. So 
it's kind of drawing parallels like that. And some of them are funny. Like, yeah, like, isn't that weird that nowadays you see, see someone's somebody. penis before you know if you want to touch their penis? Like, he makes some joke like that. And things like that were funny. But there was quite a lot of it. And it was like a bit on the nose. Um, it's straight through, which I liked. It's about an hour and a half, which is great. And it is a fun night out, I think. Mm. But I just think it's that those priced tickets, even band C on certain nights are £36. And that's too much for me for a show like this, which is kind of fun, but not a fantastic piece of theatre. Okay. So are you saying that my top tip was a failure? I'm sorry. I wouldn't call it a failure. Okay, good. But it didn't live up to the excitement of that cast. Um, they're not quite utilised properly. Um, I had a really good time, but obviously I got free press tickets, which is fantastic. But it's hard to kind of assess how I would have felt if I had gone ahead and booked a £36 band C seat. It's just not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. But my next show that I'm going to talk about is another show that was a top tip. Another piece of kind of queer theatre, um, also about gay history, also set in New Orleans... So very kind of similar. Okay. But I'm going to make a cocktail inspired by it. It's a show that's screaming out for a cocktail. Some liquor. Exactly. And then we'll be back to talk about Southern Bells at the King's Head Theatre. I'll just sit here and look pretty. This is a a New Orleans inspired cocktail. Um, It's a classic New Orleans cocktail. So it's basically cognac lemon juice and sugar syrup, shake it on ice, top it up with champagne, and it's called French Quarter 75. Really? Um, Yeah, so it's a classic, I wanted to do a classic New Orleans cocktail, because obviously we've got two shows being reviewed that are kind of about New Orleans. What do you think of it? I really like it, but I feel I've only had like five sips and I'm already drunk. (laughs) I think that's cognac does have quite a strong... Boozy. It's a boozy boozy taste to it. But, you know, that's what you need when you are reviewing a Tennessee Williams play, darling. I feel like we've seen so much Tennessee Williams of late. Yeah, and you kind of need a cocktail to go to Tennessee Williams. Mm. So this show that I'm going to review is called Southern Bells. And it, it was, was one of my tip. top tips, yes. One of your top tips. King's Head Theatre. Um, it's two short plays by Tennessee Williams, both kind of queer-themed plays, one of which never released in his lifetime because it had openly gay characters. The other... Um, was released because it has a more nuanced kind of look at it that could be interpreted in a non-gay way for an audience back then, I guess. Under the radar. Um, and this production, the reason you had it as your top tip is because the director, Jamie Armitage, directed Six, and we love Six, the musical. And so that kind of drew us in. And also we love The King's Head. And I actually um, love... Um, Tennessee Williams? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I love really, Tennessee Williams. I always enjoy seeing a Tennessee Williams play. So this, um, the two short plays are called... Um, the first one we see is called Something Unspoken. So I'll start with that one. Um, the King's Head is a lovely theatre behind the King's Head pub in Islington. It's a very small space. They had done it really nicely with kind of pink, um, like pink, is the word like chiffon? Like pink mm-hmm. sort of pink rouged fabric all around the walls. So it looks kind of like a, you know, a Tennessee Williams parlour kind of. And this play just has two characters in it and... Um, it's a woman who's very, you know, from the South, very grand, and she is basically having a conversation with her personal secretary, uh, called Grace, who um, has been with her for 14 years, and there's this thing going on in the background, basically, she work, uh, she's part of this, um, I think they're called Daughters of the Confederate Cotillion or something, you know, one of those ladies' groups that they had back in the day, um, and she's, you know, she's been the treasurer, she's been the 
this, that and the other over the years. And they're holding an election to see who's going to be the kind of whatever the main role is. I can't remember. Like, And does she think she's going to get it? Well, she said, you know, she's she's not running for it because she says, darling, have you ever seen me run for anything? <laughs> like, so she doesn't want to run for it. But if they unanimously want to make me, then I won't, you know, I'll have to accept. Basically, there is an unspoken tension beneath this that these two women have obviously had over the 14 years a romantic relationship. And the older character, Cornelia, is kind of ready to have it be no longer unspoken. Mm-hmm. And she wants to kind of, whereas Grace is very much not ready to speak about this and keeps trying to like distract herself with other things. And so it's kind of about this tension of her trying to be like, I want to talk about this and Grace not wanting to talk about this. Um, and it's great. It had some really, um, you know, it's that you can imagine Tennessee Williams having written that and it's got some great lines in it. He writes these women, doesn't he? Mm. These Southern women who... Fragile women. Fragile, but yes, but put on an air of grandeur and mm. but beneath it is fragility. Um, and the two actresses were really good, Annabelle Leventon and Fiona Marr. Yeah, it was really great. It's only 30 minutes long. Yeah, it's interesting seeing Tennessee Williams often writes characters that can be sort of interpreted as gay like men. Um, but he hasn't, you know, this is about mm. two women and that was quite interesting to mm. have um, to have that relationship. And it juxtaposes quite well with the second piece, um, which is called And Tell Sad Stories of the Death of Queens. I really hate it when titles start with the word and. Yeah. I don't know why, it's just such a well, it's tongue a, twister. It's a line from the... It's a line from the show, oh. so it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit waffly waffly, and I think mm. with short plays, people tend to give them kind of these funny titles. So this one was written in the 50s, 1950, 1955, but obviously he couldn't produce it because it's about an openly gay man who is a drag queen, basically, um, an interior fashion designer living in New Orleans in the French Quarter, and it kind of starts with him inviting this sailor, this kind of rough, you know, straight, in inverted commas, sailor, comes back to his house. There's this tension between them and a sort of underlying current of the potential for violence basically which is very much a part of Mm. the life back then Mm. you do know that at any moment Carl could he's playing a dangerous game isn't he with this man who is obviously interested but has or I don't know has these feelings that could turn to violence very easily it's a story we've seen Mm. a lot of times but um, Luke Mullins who played Candy really really brilliant like, just a brilliant performance. He just embodied the part, looked... He looked perfect, the styling was great. And when he became Candy and put on the drag, he just... I don't know, just the fragility, just everything about him was really genuine, and I just... It was kind of heartbreaking. <gasps> I want to see this! I really felt... I would... I really, really recommend it, actually. Okay, I'm booking it. When is it on? Where is it? Like, what do I need to know? Um, It's on at the King's Head Theatre. It's got a good long run. It's on until the 24th of August... Tickets are £19.50 up to £26. On certain nights for under 30s, it's £10. I know that's not any of us, but... um, Why do you have to bring up my age all the time? But £19.50 is brilliant. And yeah, it's good. The first play I was thinking, okay, I quite like this, you know. But the second one um, and the story and the sad stories of the Death of Queens is really the kind of... the the brilliant one and especially as it was never performed in his lifetime um yeah it's a really great play i really really liked it so out of that and the view upstairs to historically gay new orleansy themed things i would say definitely southern bells at the king's head theater would be my recommendation of the two it's just a more interesting piece of theater better written yeah i loved it thought it was really good well i've been to see something without you i went to see the seven methods of killing kylie jenner at the royal court 
provocative title. It's very provocative, isn't it? And um, it had completely sold out, but I managed to bag a press ticket. Um, it's had great reviews. Um, the Times, Evening Standard, Time Out, everyone's been loving it. Phoebe Wallerbridge has been to see it. Oh, yeah, I had. It's by... Um, it's written by Jasmine Lee Jones. It's her debut play, and she's only 20 years old. Wow. And um, it's basically... Um, about the about two women, two friends, and they are talking about the many issues: um, cultural appropriation, queerness, friendship, um, social media. Like it covers yeah. a lot of what is prevalent to these two girls who are just finishing school. I think um, they're that sort of age. And do you remember last year, Kylie Jenner made the Forbes billionaire list? Yeah. And there was that title of Kylie Jenner is the youngest ever self-made billionaire. Yeah. And that's how this play opens, is with her saying, she's about as self-made as my bed. And so she goes on to Twitter um, and says that she'd like to kill Kylie Jenner and then lists methods. The first one is death by poison. Okay. And her friend then is reading all of the responses that people have written to this and is sort of quite worried for her and saying that like she's getting a lot of people um, sort of almost trolling her. And they do this really great bit where they reenact um, the messages that have come in. So Okay, yeah. And it's sort of done with voice box distortion and strobing and they sort of really... They sort of use their physicality and choreography to sort of voice... They're just literally comments that people have written from all over the world. Yeah. Racist comments. Yeah. People saying, I bet you're a 42-year-old white guy. You're not a black girl that's outraged by this. And yeah. Those bits are really clever. Um, and when the two girls speak to each other, they speak in that kind of OMG. Yeah. FFS. Like, it's a lot of abbreviations, yeah. a lot of memes. And, like, Oscar, to be honest, some of it I didn't even understand. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, I don't know what the abbreviation of OFS is. The thing is, what I want to say is, I don't think this play is necessarily written for me. I think it would be amazing for black young girls to go and see this because it's amazing to hear these two. Like, one of them is more lighter skinned than the other one, and it, you kind of find out that that's caused a bit of resentment. She feels that the other one's had it easier. She felt like all the guys at school fancied her, and the other girls, mm-hmm. like, no, yeah. actually, that's not true. And she's a lesbian, and she felt that the other, her friend Cleo, has not been very um, sympathetic towards that. And so that was quite an interesting, you know, when you sort of think, yeah, I hope there are some girls in this audience that their friends are lesbians, and they've maybe been saying things that people say at school about yeah. how it's gross to be gay. Yeah. Stuff like that I thought was really great, and I thought, oh, I really hope people come and see this. Yeah, it speaks is... to the people that are in it. I, I mean, like, the you know the characters, because sometimes things are written about a certain generational group by people that are not part of that, whereas obviously exactly. this writer is that she's young. As she goes through the seven methods of killing her, they, she gets more and more enraged, and a lot of her anger comes from the sort of... And, it, and she links it back to slavery and how women, African women used to be looked at in cages as like curiosities for having these massive lips mm-hmm. and how Kylie Jenner's now used that to make millions of pounds. And she's just so angry at the injustice of it all. Yeah. 
Um, and it is really interesting and it is really yeah, thought-provoking. And I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. It's so if it, amazing. if it came back, would you recommend it? Absolutely. I'm going to go see it. Absolutely. It sounds it. like it was absolutely thought-provoking, fantastic performances. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, and it sounds also obviously it was so popular and a sellout that it's the sort of thing that could come back. Oh, it's got to, and it should tour, and it should be taken to schools, and yeah, it's such a great current piece of theatre that written by a young person and I think the Royal Court champions this kind of like I went and saw something there last year with um Madeline which was called Poet in the Corner oh yeah which was a similar thing and that is coming back in February 2020 yeah so let's do a little recap Bridges of Madison County's got the longest run that's till September the 14th at the Menia Chocolate Factory Southern Bells runs until the 24th of August at the King's Head Theatre, and The View Upstairs is also on until the 24th of August at the Soho Theatre. So you can see all those shows, they've got a good long run. My top recommendation would obviously be, it's got to be The Bridge to Madison County for Jenna Russell alone. That's my favourite show that I've seen of the three, closely followed by Southern Bells. Okay, Osk, next episode I have to tell you about the Gillian Lynn night I went to see. Oh yes, I keep forgetting that you went to see that, to Jilly with Love. To the gala, darling. I went to a gala. It was yes. pretty amazing. That was that celebration of the choreographer Gillian Lynn and all of her work. She obviously choreographed most famously, I think, Cats. Cats yeah. The new trailer for which... Have you watched the new trailer yet? Yeah, I have. It's nuts, isn't it? I really want to see it. I mean, I've never seen it on stage, but watching the trailer, I'm like, I'm kind of down for this. I'm just down for like the danceiness of it. But yes, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that Gillian Lynn thing. We haven't really had time today, but in the next episode... It was a star... And- studded event yeah I'm really really looking forward to hearing about it so next time we'll definitely talk about that yeah I've got the program I'll talk you through it it was you'll be so jealous that you didn't go (sighs) it was literally like they had just the best people performing well until then we'll wait with bated breath but thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and in the interim please do follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with all of our goings on what shows we're seeing what shows we think you should be seeing um Twitter, Twitter's done, I'm over Twitter, it's all about the Instagram, so just follow us on Instagram, at Theatre Club Podcast, and please do comment if you... um... If you're going to see a show and you don't know where to sit, chances are we can tell you which seat to sit in, what's got the best view for the best price. I do love giving seat advice, and people at work are always (laughs) like, and I'm like, right, let's sit down, let's put this through. Yeah, somebody was booking something at the Royal Albert Hall the other day, and I was like, okay, just let me tell you where to sit. Yeah, I mostly use seatplan.com, to be honest, so they should get a lot of the cred to see views from seats if I don't know the theatre that well, but, so shout out to seatplan.com. Sponsored Um, by seatplan.com. God, I wish. Should we get sponsored? We should approach it. Yes, please, seatplan.com. Give us some money. (laughs) And until the next episode, thanks so much for listening. And goodbye. Bye, guys. Now let's have a mint doodle on the porch. <laughs> <laughs>